I'm Rosie Maddio, and welcome to From Pot to Popular, a new podcast where we interview the media, marketers, and moguls who are mainstreaming cannabis. Welcome to today's episode of Pot to Popular. I'm your host, Rosie Maddio. Today, we're joined by Ben Larson, CEO of Vertosa. Ben is going to join us today to talk to us about the future of beverage and really how nano emulsion is changing the way we consume cannabis. Welcome, Ben. Hey, Rosie. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on your podcast two weeks ago. And I'm really excited to talk to you and learn a little bit more about Vertosa, um, you know, and in introduce our audience, you know, it's what you guys have been doing, but I always like to start with just a little background. And because Ben, you're actually one of the most recognized figures in the cannabis space. Um, but you know, some of our listeners <laughs> aren't familiar. You really are. Like I, it's been incredible to watch, you know, you establish yourself as a thought leader um, and are doing just such incredible things to move products forward. But can you give us a brief overview of Vertosa and what inspired you to start the company? Give us a little bit of the background and like three minute elevator pitch. Sure. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm really flattered. So, so thank you for that intro. Uh, it's too much. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, Versosa. So what we do is manufacture active ingredients for infused products. And, and the idea behind that is that we're just a trusted B2B company that other companies can come in and build their, build their products off of. And so it's their, it's, simplifying the supply chain in a way. Um, but the, the genesis of the company really comes from my time at Managing Gateway where, you know, just week after week after week, I saw all these startups pitching me these, these ideas for their companies and they're all like billion dollar valuation, hundred million dollar opportunity. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm working in this industry. Like it's, ha- I'm having a hard time seeing your visions, right? Um, and then I and then I started asking myself like why is that like I'm spo- like I'm supposed to be the one that's energized in this and investing in it and I think what it came down to is just that you know after a number of years you you realize like how inefficient the supply chain is and and how everyone is constantly trying to recreate the wheel and and protect their proprietary like you know angle I started thinking to myself I'm like not everything in the supply chain has to be absolutely proprietary right it's like we should just want to make the best products across the board and, and let true product innovation and true branding like really drive you know, customer adoption, right? And so launching uh, Vertosa with, with Dr. Harold Hahn and, and Austin Stevenson and the rest of the team, you know, we have really just tried to instill and infuse as much trust into the supply chain as possible. Um, so it's really as easy as a brand approaching us and saying, hey, we want to do this and us be like, all right, here's the best ingredient, you know, we can scale with you and here's what you're going to need, you know, co-packers and licensing and all the requirements and kind of like trying to dress, draw a faster map to market for, for companies. Yeah. But you know, when Vertosa came online, you know, and, and it's still, you know, a small part of the market, beverages and infused products were nowhere near as popular as they are today. So how did you guys like circle in on beverage or emulsion technology and what it looked like back in 2018? you know, that were 2021, like what are the difference, what were the solutions then versus now? And like, really like, how did you, you know, hone in on this specific niche? Cause you saw a lot of games, yeah. you saw all types of yeah. businesses. Like how did you end up here? It's true. And, and I think, you know, those of us been in the industry, we all remember when, when Constellation came in and made the big investment to canopy growth. And it's like, Oh, what does that mean? And, you know, there was a big acquisition acquisition of Ebu who had some, you know, quote unquote water soluble technology and I think that just like 
piqued a lot of interest from other beverage manufacturers. And, you know, there's the natural correlation and questions around is cannabis uh, eating some of the, the revenues that, that alcohol, you know, got to experience unprotected for the last, you know, century. Um, and, you know, the answer is, the answer is yes, like all this is happening. And, and then we start thinking about just human consumption, right? People generally have been working away from smoking and vaping for years. And, and, and you know, whether, whether there's good reason for it or not, whether it's tobacco or, or, or cannabis, like that, that's beside the, the, the conversation. It's just like smoking in general is not as socially accepted as other forms of consumption. And so, you know, which, which form factor is the most accepted? And it's, it's beverage, right? You know, our, our entire culture is built around beverage. Like I'm, I'm drinking coffee now. I'll probably have a water after this. And then I'll probably move to some sort of beverage with my lunch. You know, it's like. But like it's I have constant. like six different beverages a day. I'm with you. I'm like the beverage. Yeah. Yeah. At, at some point you like, you, you know, well, not everyone, but at some point in, in the day you switch from like the, the uppers, the caffeine, and then right. you're like, oh, I need to start winding down my day. I'm going to have like That's a glass of wine or something. That's right. Um, that sounds very familiar over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, all right, how do we meet the consumer where they are? And and it's by creating beautiful, you know, cannabis-infused products. And, and beverages in particular uh, create a very nice form factor, not just because of the familiarity, but because of the actual delivery mechanism. Like the liquid format, the, the, the nano emulsion itself is broken down really easily by the body. And it's absorbed quickly into the bloodstream. So you can have these beautiful, you know, two and a half, three milligram beverages that you start to feel while you're consuming the product. And then you can layer on top of it or you can cut yourself off and kind of, you know, let the let the, that experience kind of fade much faster than you would another edible. Um, and so that's why, you know, that's why we really focused a lot on beverage. It's, a, it's an incredibly difficult format, like the, the flavor, the mouthfeel, the stability, compatibility, like the manufacturing processes, all the different ingredients that go in, like all of this has to be taken into account when designing the emulsion system itself, but the entire product, right? I'm so, so, yeah. so excited about like some of like the, what you guys have done because even for me and, and I am a, a wine drinker and I love a martini and over the past um, you know a few weeks I've been you know really focusing in on like my health my working out and uh, you know training for, for for something and so I I've, I've actually replaced my alcohol with some uh, Vertosa infused beverages I'm I'm a big fan <laughs> of Saka and Can so yeah it's amazing yeah. that what you guys have done because. You know, it's it is it, like you're saying that point. It's like that. It's that habit. Like we have drinks during the day. You know, you meet somebody who probably have a cocktail. Like if you're like off the sauce, it's sometimes very hard to have those connections, right? Like when I pour a can and I put a big ice cube in it, like one of those big squares, and a slice mm-hmm. jalapeno, I feel like I'm having a drink a drink with the gals, and it tastes amazing. So absolutely, so I, yeah. I, I, um, like what? What is the R and D process for creating your emulsion? Obviously, not giving away proprietary secrets, but like, what did you guys learn? Like, how did you get to this point where like it is so stable and so um, predictable? Right. Yeah. It's um, you know, it's been quite the journey. When we first started, we had one nano emulsion, um, and it was clear, fast acting. You know, but as we started building products around it, you know, it's like, oh, it's pretty bitter. You know, there's, it's not super compatible with like a number of different formats and you put it into a can liner, it's going to get absorbed into the can liner. And so it's just like, wow, this is, this is not as easy as I originally thought. Right? I'm like, uh, you know, the, the entrepreneur in me was really excited about the opportunity to 
jump in and just, you know, start shipping mass quantities of nano emulsion, right? That was, you know, that was the, what, that was what was in the original business model, so to speak. Um, and, and now we have an entire emulsion catalog that has different emulsifiers that have different marketability, different mouthfeel, different flavors, you know, different droplet sizes. And so I think at the end of the day, it's, it's talking with the, the, the product manufacturer and being like, what do you want to deliver to your consumer? You know, what is the promise? Is it, is it, do you want to be as close to organic as possible? You know, we, we, we've achieved certified organic on the hemp side of the business. Um, we can use the exact same ingredients, you know, save it, you know, save the, the oil input, you know, for, for the cannabis side as well. And so it's like, we can get near organic on, on that side, or is it more just, you know, do you want a super clear and flavorless product? Right. And it's like asking those questions in the beginning allows to like, kind of tailor the emulsion system for that particular product. So what's in Sokka versus PBR, um, you know, they're two completely different formulas that we've developed. But it also, that kind of, that bespoke approach also allows us to do the future of infused products. And, and that comes down to, you know, what's the actual input? It's not just THC, it's not just CBD, but like, what are the complex entourage effects that you're going to be wanting to deliver? Um, you know, what are the unique experiences that you can create off of these different ingredients? Yeah, and that's going to be like really interesting, you know, the more that comes out because like you're seeing you know, some of this like um, effects-based architecture, you know, with some of the other products, but we haven't seen it, I haven't seen it much in beverage yet. So that's really interesting, you know, because we had, different, like yeah. we said, like you start your day with, with your cup of coffee, you know, to rev yourself up and you, you calm yourself down with that glass of wine. So, you know, beverage really yeah. speaks to that. And you talked a little bit about, you know, PBR and I brought up Canon and Saka. Your company really does partner with some of the largest CPG, CPG brands in cannabis. This is like real CPG. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you're getting a lot of income requests. So what is the, how do you guys decide on which brands to partner with? Is there like a specific, you know, profile? Like, you know, or is, does it come down to like, you know, what their form factor is or like their ingredients? Like, how do you guys decide who to work with? Um, you know, coming out of the startup world and having a love of startups and creating, you know, we, we didn't want to put ourselves into a position of picking horses or, or, you know, leveraging ourselves to get the best deals. You know, we don't have any super usury like contracts or anything like that. So, you know, whether you're an early stage startup, you know, a couple college kids with an idea, like we're going to support you how we can, you know, are we going to spend as much time on you as we might, you know, like a, a PBR, maybe not, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's a business decision we have to make, but, but regardless, um, you know, we, we like to really see ourselves as agnostic, both on the front and back end of our business. And so we work with all sorts of different oil manufacturers, right? We might just go for a low cost, high purity, high quality THC distillate, or we might go for sun grown full spectrum extract out of Humboldt, California. Right. And like, we want to, because what we want to do is unlock the power of the plant in these products. And so we get really excited when people start asking us to do like, you know, complex terpene like profiles, like repeatable profiles that they can like have the same effect. Right. Similarly, wonder is a new product that came out. They have, uh, you know, it's a beautiful, I haven't tried it yet, but it's, it's beautiful. The, the product. Yeah. And they, they leverage, you know, they leverage cannabis derived Delta eight with, uh, with THC and CBD. And it kind of creates this really nice, you know, like kind of body relaxation effect. So like, you know, talking about like the end of the day, you know, it doesn't like knock you off your senses, you know, in your head, but like your, your body's definitely feeling a little bit more relaxed and there, there's that, that ease of mind. Um, and I think that's actually the future is, you know, thinking less about, you know, oh, 
what number of effects can we deliver on for each you know brand that's out there but like how does a brand actually define what their effect is and i'm really excited for that right it's like when we think of certain types of alcohol we think of you know certain types of evenings that go along with those alcohols right like a Jaeger night versus a, a, a tequila night, you right. know, they might be vastly different. And it's like, yeah. you know, we, we can achieve that with, with cannabis brands. And, and I think that's the next stage. And as people start to explore um, the various minor cannabinoids, the various, you know, terpene bouquets, the product makers are going to start to figure out what resonates with them. And those are going to be the experiences that they begin to highlight. And so that's kind of, I think that's the next phase that I'm excited for, for these product makers to really kind of start exploring. Yeah. Like I said, I'm super excited to see what comes out, you know, for drink as being a drink queen myself. I love the drinks, but um, you know, and also t- talking about the future, you know, and what's to come, you know, mainstream consumption, you know, has really taken off over the last year, you know, and some more of these, some more of these like regional brands and operators are expanding to new markets, right? Like I can, mm-hmm. right. They just announced this partnership with GTI to go into New Jersey and Illinois. So, how do, like, you know, you guys have, were, you know, very cannabis, I mean, California focused, obviously, to start. So how do you set these um, brands up for success, you know, especially in the R&D process? You know, quality control, you know, is obviously like an issue when you can't ship things across state lines. You have to recreate things in every other state. How are mm-hmm. you setting them up for success as they're looking to the future, looking to expand? Like, how does the partnership work there? Yeah, uh, great question. We, um... So there's a number of ways we approach it, right? So from the product creation phase, we, we try to take the cannabis portion, the highly regulated portion, and make it as simple as possible. So when we get to the end of the product development phase, literally it's like we have their recipe in the books, we can produce it at any scale, and when they need to do a production run, we just press go and we ship it you know, in a jug and it's ready to be mixed into, into a batch. And now like batch processing a beverage, while not always the easiest, it's, it's kind of the knowledge is out there and it's being done all around the United States and beyond. Right. And so our uh, kind of like secondary offering is kind of the ability to make these ingredients in other markets. And so we are live in Canada and and producing with a a partner up in Canada. And again, the same ethos of trying to keep the platform open. So being a conduit for California brands or, or otherwise, you know, to also launch in Canada. Um, we have more states coming online. So in the very near future, Massachusetts, Michigan, Colorado, Pacific Northwest, you know, so on and so forth. And it's not about us taking one brand or two brands. It's really about opening up the opportunity for brands to kind of grow on top of us. And we're taking care of the, the highly regulated portion where they can ship their uninfused bases, you know, to these various locations and leverage co-packers and what have you to, to spin up the beverage manufacturing. And you're helping them really like establish their SOPs pretty much yeah. also, right? So they're able to do this successfully. Okay, so also, so, you know, talking about growth, Ben. So, you know, earlier this year, Headset, who happens to be a client of ours, I know we're all dear friends with those guys, um, Headset reported that cannabis-infused beverages are up 40% over last year. Are there mm-hmm. any specific pockets within the beverage sector that you're interested in exploring? Like, and, and also, what role do you think beverages will play in mainstreaming adoption, you know, especially among these consumers who are still hesitant to, about trying cannabis? Like, talk to us about the growth and where you're seeing little pockets of it. Yeah. Um, you know, beverage is, is certainly leading kind of a new level of adoption, right? We're, we're, we're watching, you know, my in-laws, you know, 60s, 70-year-old people trying cannabis for the first time without hesitation after not having tried it their entire life. Like, 
That in of itself just tells me the opportunity, right? And we also see beverages being created, you know, all across the board. You know, like you, you mentioned, you know, wine, right? Like wine is an incredibly beautiful format. Um, but the whole like dealkalized canvas, so to speak, is really a great opportunity, right? We, we work closely with BevZero, which is based up in Santa Rosa, California. Um, they have a wonderful technology where they basically strip out the alcohol and a lot of the calories that go, go along with it um, and then put back in the body so you still feel like you're having an adult beverage, right? And then we just partner with them and make sure that we put the fun back in as well. Okay. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think anything like dealkalized, like this whole dealkalized mo- mo- movement, the, the low a- ABV movement, like it's just a great opportunity for us to create some really cool cannabis products. Um, and what we see is, and, and where I think the trend will go, it's kind of going back to those like more complex cannabinoid profiles and really leveraging the power of the plant. So taking the flavors of the plant that we used to try to get to go away and like bringing them back a little bit and be like, Hey, no, this, this beverage is about the plant. And now it doesn't, it doesn't have to taste like bong water, but it can have a nice floral note to it. And then you pair that with like uh, you know, something that's fruity and, and naturally pairs well with the profile and, and you get a, a beautiful product. And so we recently formulated, you know, using a live, a live resin extract, which retains a lot of the terpenes and, and cannabinoids. And we married that with a dealkalized uh, apple cider. Oh, wow. And the two together just created this really beautiful experience. And something about the presence of the terpenes and the miners, like, made it feel like it was even faster onset than before. And I think it's, you know, something sensory with the terpenes, you know, I don't have the deep science behind it yet. Um, we are doing a lot of that work. We're doing, you know, pharmacokinetic studies with a DEA and FDA licensed lab here in the Bay Area. Uh, more to come on that soon. Um, but yeah, it's just, there, there's so much to explore there. I think that is the trend. Like, you know, while people are still trying to get the cannabis portion to be like flavorless and clear, I think you're going to quickly see people transitioning back to making it more interesting and more plant centric. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be very eager to try that. And I think, I think you're totally onto it. This whole dealkalization, like this no hangover, low calorie, you know, is just, it's such a compelling, you know, it's such a compelling, you know, part of, of cannabis beverage. You know, I think it, it's yeah. really going to be part of that adoption, right? Like not having a night out and not having a hangover and having fun and having those giggles, like that's just unbelievable, yeah. right? And if you're matching it actually with like great taste, it, it's fantastic. Um, and I want to talk a little about, you were talking a little bit about expansion a few minutes ago and, and what's happening in Canada and you guys are, are really, you know, you guys are going wide and it's so exciting to watch, but you guys also have, you know, you've had a lot of local impact with your company, right? So I know that, you know, Austin, your chief innovation officer was recently important Oakland's cannabis regulatory commission. Can you speak about the significance of having business leader industries serve on these regulatory groups? Like talk to us about like, you know, while you are mainstreaming cannabis and bringing it to more people, like you're very involved in the industry. I'd love for you to talk about, you know, the local impact your company has. Yeah, you know, I think um, it, it comes back to when I first entered the industry and, and, you know, I was telling people, we have the opportunity to create this industry in the, in the eyes that, that we see fit, right? Like in, like build it to the ideal. And this is why, you know, in, in the podcast that you and I recorded a, a couple of weeks back, it's like, focusing a lot on, on women in cannabis and, and equity in cannabis and just 
I, I think it's so important to get involved in, and cannabis has always been a grassroots effort. So the best thing you can do to get started is get involved in your local politics or your, your local chambers or, or whatever it is to kind of like influence it from the ground floor. And this industry is so small that other business leaders naturally see that, right? Like it, it's not my goal to be the most well-known person in cannabis, but I have a lot of opinions about how people should be running their businesses and how they should be doing it with, with heart and they should be lifting up the community and, and bringing the right people to the table. And, you know, that's what Austin, myself and, and the rest of the team fight for every day. Um, and it is a fight, you know, it's, it's under constant attack and it, and it takes continuous hard work uh, to push the industry forward again um, in just kind of being built the way we see fit. Yeah, and you guys, you have been an early champion um, of social equity in the industry. And, you know, I know you guys are doing the work every day. Do you how do you think, though, regulators can better approach increasing access to the space, you know, as you, you guys are, you know, minority-owned? Um, do you think there's ways that regulators can make it easier? Oh, man, that is a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, uh, stop listening to lobbyists so much and actually, like, try to listen and follow like what's working in other places. I, I, I get kind of like disheartened with like how much effort and work is going in, you know, since Colorado legalized, since California legalized, and we still see regulators making the same mistakes over and over again. It gets, it gets really tiring. Right. And, and, and I know organizations are being built to kind of like bridge that conversation, but when you can't even get adjacent cities uh, or municipalities in California alone to like have those conversations, then like, what are the chances that states like nationwide are going to have these conversations? So, yeah, and even if uh, it's happening in Illinois, like those licenses are just been held up for so long, you know, and, and it's the regulators have to get it right. Right. Cause people are waiting you know. for this. It's yeah. I feel, I have, I feel that same sentiment it is disheartening because like, like the efforts, like there in some ways, other ways it's like, it's just not, it's just not happening. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's well, and, and it's just like, it's a realization that it's like, I mean, put very simply, it's like licenses uh, for equity partners or, or whatever the label is in, in your given jurisdiction is like, it's just one small piece. Like not everyone is intended to be a business owner. So right. like, let's talk about workforce development and like, you know, all the things that we've been pushing forward in Oakland, right? Oakland was nowhere near perfect when things first started. It all started with like parity on the licensing, right? But it's like, we need not only the first mile, not only the last mile, we like need the whole like journey like mapped out for people, right? Like we need to provide support from a legal perspective, from a marketing perspective, distribution, retail, like. Right. Even just getting the license right? is not enough. Like it's just a piece of paper unless you have the infrastructure, you know, and the support for that infrastructure to make it happen. Yeah. hundred no. percent. But also like I, I, in the same vein, you know, on top of running Vertosa, I, I know you act as a mentor and thought leader and you're, and you're a very active investor in the industry. So I just want to take a little bit of a turn. Are there any unique opportunities or trends that have piqued your interest this year? I know your head's down on Vertosa, but I know you uh, keep your head up looking around what's going on. What's interesting you right now? Oh, man. Um, you know, this is a great question. And, and just so I don't get a million phone calls, um, I, I've, I've slowed down on, on investing a bit and, and I'm very focused on Vertosa. And, and I think my, my challenge as an investor over the last year has been that realization that the atypical venture investment or, or I guess non-typical venture investments are, are what needs support right now, right? Like we, th this industry still needs more infrastructure to like make these new form factors work. And we need to 
lobby uh, to get the right rules put in place so we can have an effective legal system. And, and we need to do R&D, which is like sometimes like, you know, a toxic word in like the, the venture circles, right? It's just like, oh, I'm just going to piss money away. But it's like, <laughs> we need to do R&D to learn more about the plant to really like build a more reputable industry. And, and like, these are all things that I think need investment. And, and that's what piques my interest the most. Like the more I can learn about the power of terpenes, cannabinoids, and other, you know, other active ingredients that influence the pathways in the endocannabinoid system. Like, you know, I, it's like, yeah, there might be some exciting investments out there from like a, you know, new delivery service or a new like point of sale service. Although I don't know if there's any competing with like Dutchie anymore. Right. <laughs> um, that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a big deal. Um, <laughs> you know, those just don't get me going. And maybe it's just because I've been into the, in, in the industry too long and I, I care too much about actually seeing the entire industry move forward. And it's hard for me, like, you know, to pick any one little company here and there, but you know, what I, where I do spend my time and where I do, you know, invest uh, my resources is in kind of, uh, you know, walking the talk, right. And, and making sure that I'm, supporting Amber Center in launching Equity Works and finding a way for Vertosa to be involved and in, in be a part of the workforce development program or, you know, even outside of the cannabis industry, ensuring that underserved entrepreneurs are, are getting the support and networks that they deserve to move their companies forward. You know, I, in, I, back in my Founder Institute days, I, I, I helped launch uh, this local shirt company like a manufacturer of like men's like fine business shirts right and it's based in Oakland um you know they've gotten a great distribution deal with Stitch Fix which is the main cool. like, yeah. company and it's just like I'm like it should not be difficult for you to raise money at this point right like right. you're off the ground you've gotten the hardest part done you're designing shipping shirts and like you have an incredible deal like let's make those floodgates open because you know they would for like another demographic yeah um, that's amazing yeah. No, I, I love that. And just, you know, one final question, also a little departure from the previous one, but, you know, it comes back to like that R&D, you know, and, you know, trying to see like where the puck is going and develop like new form factors or like new technologies or your better, you know, better uptake. How do you think, you know, all this R&D will translate into the consumer consumption preferences like how do you think they're going to change by the end of even this year we've seen so much happen you know with COVID over the past year that people you know are turning to cannabis that there has been more adoption you know how do you think consumer preferences will change by end of this year now that we've had this sort of like you know winds at our back and the more consumption and how do you think brands and operators can prepare for these shifts because I know you guys are looking ahead to what's happening yeah I think um, you know from an infused product perspective I think the new technologies are bridging that pretty large gap in between smoking and, and infused products, right? It's like you're either an infused products fan or you're a smoking fan. Sometimes you're a fan of both, but they're definitely not the same thing. And like these new technologies that create faster onset, like a more predictable experience kind of fills that void in between, right? And so, you know, I'm super excited about beverage because the, the fast onset, low dose, like controllable, all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of like, beverage adjacent products that can leverage the same technology for a more controlled experience. And so we've been working on developing uh, a new gummy formulation uh, that is now being commercialized through a number of brands, um, you know, mouth sprays, uh, you know, even just like 
uh, pill formats that that create better absorption, right? And so it's like bringing the 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 kind of inhalables and the edibles like categories a little bit closer together through these new formats. I think it's just going to create the same standard and it's going to create greater adoption in in edibles. And so I think you know, we're starting to see this outside of California. California is a very, in most of the West Coast, let's be honest, like it's a very entrenched, you know, kind of cannabis, you know, smoking culture, right? And it's like, yes, infused products have their place, but like really it's all about the flower. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a little bit less so the, the further you move east, right? And, and I think we start to see that in the percentage of the market share that, that edibles have in those markets. And so, um, you know, excited for these new technologies, not to just be labeled as, ooh, nano, and then like charged a premium. It's like, no, no, no. It's just that is the new standard, right? right. And, I, and I think that's where it's going to go pretty, pretty darn quickly because, you know, even if you are leveraging nano, there are ways you can also like time release like a longer tail. And so you can create, both the best of both worlds, but I don't think anyone's ever going to say it's like, no, I don't want to kick. I don't want it to kick in for another <laughs> hour and a half. Like, I just don't think that's a, a request from the consumer. And so like you move faster onset. Yes. Do you want it to wear off faster? No. You know, it's like, then we can answer those questions in the product development. Well, I'm excited to see where that goes because uh, it's funny. Like I, I wasn't really like an ingestible person for the past year. And even like on the gummy form, it's, it's amazing. Like I, you know, I, I also had one of those, you know, more bad experience early on, but now like with these yeah. rapid onsets for like, you know how you feel, you don't have to like worry about it. Like, so I'm excited to see what you guys are going to bring to market next and, and try out the other form factors. So Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really awesome chatting with you and excited to see what's to come from Virtosa. Awesome. Rosie, thank you so much for having me. Always great chatting with you.